Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, glad uh, to be in the house with you. Seeing what you're having for breakfast. All the good stuff. Anyway, uh, we're going to start off with tithes and offerings. I have a message I think that will uh, bless you and uh, change your life. Change your mind. So so anyway, take your seed in your hand. And uh, again, we were, we started out, I think, a couple of weeks ago, talking about honor from Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. But really, when you get into Proverbs chapter 3, he's telling you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own way of doing things, but to acknowledge him and he'd direct your steps. And then he gets on to talking about honoring the Lord with your substance. So we understand that honor is to give weight to something. A dishonor is to lightly esteem. And so when you give weight to the fact that you're sowing into God's kingdom, if you honor him, give weight to the promises of God, Honor him with the scriptures. If you honor him, he says that he, your barns will be filled with plenty. And of course, he was talking to an agricultural uh, family back then, but he would say to you, your bank accounts will be blessed. Whatever you do will prosper. And I know that this works. I have been working this for years, and um, I've always lived in a better, at a better level than I would have normally with, with salary and income. It's not about income. It's about it's about, like he said in Galatians 6 and verse 9, that you would reap in a due season if you didn't faint, if you didn't quit, if you didn't cave in. And and it, and it is a season. There's seasons to plant, sow, and seasons to reap and all of those things. So I don't know what season you're in right now, but you can find out um, if you just honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all of your increase. Watch out because your barns are going to fill with plenty and your presses are going to work out with bust out with new wine. So, Father, we just thank you today for the honor of sowing into your kingdom. We believe, uh, Genesis 8, 22, that as long as the earth remains, the summer and winter, cold and eat, and the seed time and the harvest time, seed time and harvest time shall not cease. And so we thank you for it. Bless the gift. Bless the giver today in Jesus' name. May they live in Amos chapter 6, verse 9 life. Maybe the plowman overtake the reaper today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we, we left off we, we we left off a couple of weeks this past couple of weeks looking at the parables and and um, how they pertain to the love of God how God uh, picked a, a good Samaritan to show you that to show the lawgiver that he didn't really know how to love that he loved those that were nice to him but he didn't love his enemies and so so then we went into the prodigal son in in Luke chapter fifteen and. I know that you could preach so many messages from this. But my big takeaway, first of all, he had two sons, and, and the younger and the elder both received their inheritance at the same time. But the younger guy, even though he took it and spent it and came to himself, repented, and came back home, he received the love of his father, and the elder brother never, ever did. And this is what I see in, in church, in churches, is people are trying to earn the love of God to, to make brownie points. You, you, you don't work for him to, to earn salvation. You work with him as a result of salvation. And so when you look at this guy, he's saying, the father, well, let's look at what the father says to him. In, uh, in Luke 15, the last couple of verses there. He said, verse 31, he, this is what he says to the son. You don't have to work for my approval, son. 
Look at this. He said unto him, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. You don't need to work for my approval. You don't have to do that. And if and then it says, I made Mary with your brother and all you need to do then, he, he, your, your brother is alive from the dead and he, he was lost and now he's found. And so all you need to do is come on in now, let go of the grudge and regain your peace, regain your joy. All that I have. See, again, you, you and I, we need to recognize Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. He's already blessed you with all the blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world. And again, I, I think last week I mentioned that in Genesis chapter 1, he created everything for the man. Then he created the man. And the next, in chapter 2 and verse 1, they went back into, they went into the seventh day. That's, that's Hebrews 4, 11 laboring to enter into his rest. You, you, you cease from your labors and you enter into his, right? So, but with, the, so with that in mind, let's go to 1 John chapter 4, because again, you don't need to work for God's approval. 1 John 4 is um, near the back of your book. John chapter 4, in verse 15 says, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwells in him and he in God. But look at verse 16. And we have known and believed. This is all that the elder son had to do. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So if he had been really living with his, if he had really received that love from his father, he wouldn't have been out working in the field. He'd have been up at the house, up in a place of rest, up in a place of seniority, up in a place of, see, as many as received him, gave him the power to become the sons of God. Sonship is what it's all about. Being refathered is what it's all about. And so, well, let's read another couple of verses here, beings we're here. Herein is the love made mature that we have, may have boldness in the day of judgment. And that's not judgment day. That's, that's this day as well. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Wow. Because something of, someone of equal value purchased you. Herein is our love made perfect again that we may have boldness. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And then there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. We find out that fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. You can look at the book of Job, for example. Job knew about God, and he religiously served God just like the elder brother. But it wasn't until he got a revelation of the love of God that his life turned around. Matter of fact, in Job 3 and verse 25, he said, "What I was never in peace. I was never in safety. What I've always feared has finally come upon me. See, because fear will produce the negative, just like faith will produce the positive. And then again, if you hook that up with Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said, I set before you this day life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. He's saying you choose positive words. You choose the, the words of life and peace. Matter of fact, Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 says, life and death are in the power of what? In the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit that it bears, whether it's good or bad. 
So, you know, pray today, pray over us, pray today over the love of God. And, and we, again, he, he, I think we used this last week in Acts 13 to 1. It says that he loved them till the very end. And then we used uh, Romans 8, 37 through 39 to let you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. The only thing that can separate you from the love of God, the only se- thing that separates me from the love of God is me. It, it's me. You know, he said, I bless you. I command, uh, again, Numbers 23, 19, spoke a blessing over you and no man can reverse it except me. And so, so again, the purpose of all of this is be, so that you can receive the love of God so that he can send you out and give others the love of God. That's what it's all about. Let's go to John chapter 3, very famous chapter. John 3, again, about being refathered. I think we just pick it up in John 3, 14. He said, he's talking to Nicodemus. He's talking to a religious guy. He's talking to a guy that held the keys of the, of the temple that was one of the top guys in the Sanhedrin. This guy was a lawyer and didn't recognize Jesus. He said, as Moses was lifted up in the, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That that, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have eternal life. Well, the Son of Man, in order to be glorified, had to be had to become a curse for us. And th- these guys were not waiting on a Messiah that was going to come and deliver them from themselves. They were waiting for a Messiah that would come and deliver them from re- Roman oppression. But now here in verse 16, of course, he said, For God so loved, and you need to really amplify the word so, because he's going to tell you how much he loved the world by becoming a curse for the world so that you could be refathered. But it says, so he so loved the world. How did he demonstrate that? He demonstrated it by hanging on the cross in front of the world. He demonstrated it by giving us a picture of how much he loves us that would would ever be, you know, upon our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe, and again, believe, believe in the Greek doesn't mean you, you, you just mentally agree with what you hear. Believe in the Greek means that you're acting upon and obedient to this thing. Matter of fact, it says, he that believes on, on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's, it's the perfect tense of believe, and it's a perfect tense perish. And so when you compare the two of them, it's like they're both ongoing. You believe in God, and you're living an eternal life. You're not believing God, and you're perishing. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so these things are going on with you all the time because it's perfect tense. But then God sent not his, himself into the world uh, to judge, to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. But again, it goes back to the serpent hanging up in the wilderness. He's saying, if you just accept my crucifixion and burial and resurrection, then e- eternal life is already working in you. It's working for you right now. It's working in you. Maybe we should just read a little more here. 
He that believeth he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already. Okay, so but again, you're not you're not being condemned by God. You're condemning yourself by not believing, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And again, it's all about being refathered. And this is the condemnation that the light came into the world, and man loved darkness rather than light, because his deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither does he come to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made whole and manifest, that are right in God. And these are the ones that came to... This, this, these, are, these things came Jesus to the disciples into the land of Judea, and they tarried with him, and they were baptized. You know, this gospel of John, for, this gospel was written six decades after Christ. Sixty years. Matter of fact, around the same time that the book of Revelation was written. And so when John laid this out, he laid this out that it be with the most benefit to you. Now, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they were written around 25 AD. I think Mark was the first one. And they, and they give a kind of a picture of, of what took place in the life of Jesus. On, but John gets into, when John laid this out, I can tell you, when he laid out this book, and it's all around seven festivals, it's, the whole book is around those seven festivals, he laid it out so that it would be maximum benefit for you. And he laid enough truth in here that we could change our lives with it. And so whenever you read the book of John, realize that he, he systematically laid these things out so that you and I could read this and it would change, it would affect a change in our lives. He showed Jesus as the Son of God and he showed him as the perfect sacrifice that in, so that we would look on his curse and receive the blessing. It's all there. That's what he was saying to Nicodemus, just like Moses held up the serpent in the wilderness, held up the, he said, I'm, I'm going to become, he's trying to teach him, I'm going to become a curse for you so that you can receive the blessing of the firstborn, right? Now let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. The whole chapter is good. Let's pick up, pick it up in seven seven. Live on purpose. Live in power. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That's a pretty good promise, is it? And again, when you read this, this is Aris, uh perfect as well. Perfect part of the book. It's like ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeks, finds, and he that knocks, it shall be opened unto him. For what manner of you, now he's, now Jesus is going to tell a joke right in the middle of this, I think it's funny, you know, Jesus is going to tell a joke. He said, what, what, what man of you would ask for bread and you give your son a stone? Or you... Uh, Ask, he asked for a fish, and he gave him a snake. Then he says this. He said, if you being evil 
know how to give good gifts to your children. Listen to this. If you, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, if you know how to take care of your kids, don't you think that I know how to take care of mine? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I underline how much more. If you, you, you do good to your children, if you had the opportunity, how much more will your father, your flawless father, not the father that you grew up with, the flawless one, the perfect one, the father that sent the son to lay down his life for you, the flawless one. How much more will your father, which is in heaven, give the good things to those that ask him? Wow, I mean, come on, this is right there, right there for you. Now let's go to Luke chapter uh, 19. Oh, Lord, help this to make sense to people. Help them to receive the love of God. Help them to know that they can go in and love one another and to love the way that you love, which is unconditional. Agape is a, is a word that Paul coined, and it, agape was not used before. Agape means unconditional love. And here in chapter 19, it says, And Jesus entered into, entered into and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. He was chief among the publicans. Okay, so the first thing you need to know about the publicans is they were the most hated people in Israel. Why? Because they were the tax collectors. And they didn't just take the 20% that Rome took. They took another 30 or 40 for themselves. They were despised people. And, and, and he was a good one because my Bible says that he was rich. He's very rich. But he wanted to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not because of the crowd, and he was small in stature. And so he ran ahead, therefore, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to try and see him, for he was going to pass by that way. And Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him and called him by name, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down that I may abide at your house. Well, you know, the first thing you need to notice about this is he knows your name too. He knows your name. He knows where you live. It's kind of like it's when you go to, over to John chapter 4 and you read about that the story about that woman that came to the well and... uh he said, uh, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, no, I know you've been through five terrible divorces. I know your pain. I feel your pain. I, I relate to you. And now I want you to go and get go and get the one that you're living common law with and bring him back to me. And and again, it was it was just divorced five times. Can you imagine the can you imagine divorce one time, some of the people that I know, the pain that they carry for years? But Jesus knows that. He knows all about that, and he totally moved past that and took her into her future, turned her in one day into an evangelist, turned her in one day into, into a soul winner. Man, because she received somehow in that impact, that, that, that contact that he made with her, he said, I've got water for you that you'll never thirst again. You, you've had six husbands, but the man that you really need is the son of man, and I'm right here in front of you right now. 
totally revolutionized her life. The love of a God, that's what the love of God is supposed to do. That's why it's so important to get into a church, into a place where you're receiving the love of God, not religious criticism and judgment. That stuff doesn't produce anything healthy. So he sought, so Zacchaeus, make haste and come down to my house, or I'm come down rather, for I must come and abide in your house. But then look, and he made haste and came down quickly. When they, verse 7, when they saw it, they murmured that he had gone to this sinner's house. See, this is what religion will do. This is what the, this is what the elder brother in the prodigal son story did. The exact same thing. They, they, they stood up and they said, he's stolen our money. How, how can you ever go and, and love somebody like him? Jesus loved him. I'm telling you, Jesus loved him and saw beyond all the all the exterior things. He came down, it, look, it says he came down under that tree and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, he's going to be a guest with this sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I... And if I <laughs> If I've ever taken take anything, I false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation. Come to your house. For as much you, look at this, here's the key. For as much as you also are a son of Abraham. That's a big thing. The, the, the most powerful message that was ever preached in the United States during the, the last awakening, was you are the seed of Abraham. And I think it was George Whitfield. George Whitfield, uh, when he, he preached, I think he did seven missionary journeys from Georgia up to Maine and back and forth and back and forth on horseback. It, it, it took like months, three and a half, four months, just to do one trip. And when he would go, he would have meetings in the open air. They would even climb on trees and pee on them. <laughs> but he... He led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. But the message that he preached that really brought, brought the United States together as a unit to write the, the Constitution and all that, the message that he preached, because when, when you were in the early New England, you had, you had a, a town that was built around a Baptist theology, a town that was built around a, 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 a Wesleyan theology, Puritan theology, uh, those kind of things. So whenever a preacher would come to a town, it would affect the culture of the town, but they were so divided. So, so I don't know why I'm talking about this, but, there, but anyway, when he came, he preached, you are a child of Abraham. He preached it up and down the coast. And basically what he was saying is you're not a Wesleyan. You're not a Baptist. You're not a Puritan. You're not, we are all, one we are it brought the unity that brought the constitution and so so you're not a baptist you're not a pentecostal you're a christian you're you're a christ-like one you 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 got the love of god flowing in and through you even when you look at when you look at mount hermon over in israel it's the, i think it's about seven thousand feet in the air and my bible says in Isaiah, in psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is to dwell together in unity, 
it's like the dew on Mount Hermon. Well, Mount Hermon, when, when you when you look at it, it's 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 it produces springs at the bottom of that mountain all year long because the base of the Mount Mount Hermon is made out of limestone, and so that water seeps down through, seeps down through, seeps down through until it affects everything at the bottom. And this is what he's talking about when he's saying, "You and I, when we get together in one accord, in unity." It doesn't mean that we're all in agreement with everything. It means we're not disagreeable. And we're letting, we're letting that anointing come down, down, down. He said it was like the anointing that flowed down over Aaron's beard and pulled out onto the floor. He's saying when you get together and flow in the love of God, they'll call you Christians first at Antioch. What, what the world needs out there right now is love. To know that they're loved. Not to be judged, but to be loved. So Zacchaeus stood and said, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day has salvation come to your house, for as much as you also are the seed of Abraham. Well, come on, think about Romans 3, or Galatians 3.29. If any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. This is for us. How about 1 John chapter 3? We should have stayed over there a little bit longer, maybe. We can go back. I need to picture you here with me so I can settle down. Hallelujah. Oh, how are we going to get through this? I'm going to read verse 16 first of chapter 3. Hereby we perceive we love the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion, something on the inside moving out from him, how does, he dwell, how does the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are in the truth and assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence with God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. But again, this this is take this back to John 3.16. You know that if you believe in him, you won't perish, but have everlasting life. Believing in him is acting in obedience. Believing in him is doing what he says. Believing in him is not just having Jesus as Savior, but he's Jesus your Lord. When he's your Lord, his lordship, his kingdom, that means that he has the final say in your life. That's how it works, right? But but now in, in chapter 3 and verse 1, look at this. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it knew not God. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doesn't appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him, for we will see him like he is. And every man that has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. 
So again, but these are not, it's not some kind of religious action. It's because I've received the love of God that I can respond to the love of God, that I can share the love of God. And again, you know, it's, we, we pray the prayer in Ephesians chapter three, you know, that, that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith and that we're rooted and grounded in love. When you're rooted and grounded in knowing that you're loved, then you're able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that you and I can be filled with the fullness of God so that then we can experience exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. What's the power that works within us? It's the love of God. It's the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, love, and, love us. Let's go to John. Let's go to John's Gospel, chapter twelve. And again, remember that John wrote this six decades after the crucifixion. And so, when he put this together, he put in everything that you would need to succeed in life. He just didn't, just didn't um, give you a picture of what Jesus did. It, it's deeper than that. It's like Paul's revelation. You know, the, the Gospels are a picture, and Paul's, Paul's, Paul's letters are uh, an x-ray showing you what happened in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And John pulls this out so well as also. I want to turn to John chapter 12 and verse, uh, uh, how about verse 20? Well, back up in verse 18, it says, The people also met with him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, We perceive now how we prevail at nothing because the whole world has gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came and worshipped at the feast. Again, these are all, the, the, all of this teaching is around festivals. So they, so they, came, they came on to Philip from Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip went to tell Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto them, The hour has come that the Son of Man may be glorified. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Of course, like you, you take one kernel of corn and, well, you take one acorn, you take one acorn and plant it and you'll get a tree. Eventually you'll get a tree. But, it, but then that tree produces so many more acorns. It's like you take a corn of wheat and you get, all of a sudden you get a whole stalk of corn. And, and it just keeps multiplying because that's the principle. Seed plus time equals harvest. And so whatever, this, this, this Genesis 8.22 works in every area, every avenue, every area of your life. Whatever you plant, you're going to reap. Whatever you plant, he told the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, and he tried to, and he told the disciples, you know, some of this seed has fallen on way, way ground and dry ground and, and different types of things, but he said it, it landed on you, and it's going to produce some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. You're the good seed. You're the good soil, rather, he said. So, uh, except according to wheat fall on the ground and uh, it die, it bides alone. 
but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world will keep it unto life eternal. If any man serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there he may be also. Hmm. If any man serve me, let him, my father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then came the voice from heaven and answered and said, I both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Then, depending on your spiritual level, the next verse. Some people heard it and said that it thundered. Uh, other people said it was the voice of an angel. But but again, when you, my Bible says, your Bible says, that when his sheep know his voice, and the voice of a stranger will not follow. And so when you recognize the voice of God, you'll follow him. But I, I like what he points out here. He says that if you if you love your if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you lose it, you'll find it. And then he talks about the glorification. And really what he's talking about, he was saying, he's he's saying what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. The crucifixion is the glorification. And so we all want to see um, the glory, global glory. And what global glory requires is your death, my death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's he got glorified when he laid his life down. And I want to walk in the glory and the glory of God. Then I need to lie, lay my life down for my friends. I need to follow his example. John chapter um, 17. He said in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Back to glory. Back to glory, Son of Man, Son of God. Neither in verse 20, he said, uh, no, let's read verse 13. Now I came unto thee, and these things I speak into the world, that my they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. God wants you to have his joy fulfilled in him. I've given them the world, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And then he, he includes you and I, when he goes to verse 20, he said, I'm not just praying for the 12 disciples that are here, but for those that also which shall believe on me through their word. And when you believe, you when you believe, but again, go back to John 3.16. Believing means that you're not perishing. Believing means that you're acting in obedience to his word. Believing is not just a mental assent. There's so many people out there that have said a sinner's prayer and think it qualifies them for heaven. No, if there's no heart change, if there's no change in action, no change in attitude, then really nothing happened. When you really make a, when you really fall in love with somebody and they fall in love with you, it changes everything. It changes everything. I remember one time when I first started dating Nancy, um, she worked in the, VG, the QE2 hospital 
and she would park her car at the Dartmouth Sportsplex and travel over with somebody else. And so, so one day I, I, I got a, a really romantic card and uh, made it up and, and put it in an envelope and stuck it on the windshield of her car. And then later, I, I stood at the corner of the building to make sure that nobody took it on me. <laughs> so I stood there until she got there. When she got there, I watched her from a distance, open up the card and smile and, and then get in her car and drive away. I didn't make contact with her that day, but I watched the whole thing. And But here's the deal. This is what Jesus did. Jesus hung on a cross. You know, he, he did something so that you could look and see that he loves you. He, 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 he didn't write in a card. He wrote in a book. He put it all in a book and laid it all out for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so then he, and of course, he started a relationship with you when you were refathered. But the whole deal about being refathered is you now have a new nature. You now have Corinthians 5.17, you're a new species upon the earth. And he's given you the ministry of reconciliation because he reconciled you to himself. Right? Verse 22 And the glory which you gave me, I've given, already given unto them, that they may be one even as we are one. Wow. But again, you, you look at this truth, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's already the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord is already working in your, in your life. It's... it's I have declared unto them your name, verse 26, and I will declare it. The love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. When you encounter the fullness of the love of God, it transforms those. That's the transforming power. That's why he would say in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that you're being changed from glory to glory into the image of his son. The glory, the, the, the more that love is shed abroad in your heart, the more the more that the grace and peace are added unto you and multiplied into your life, the more that you stand on those exceeding great and precious promises, you partake of his divine nature. I know for me, I know for me what, what he wants from me now. What he wants from me is my death. I've known it for quite some time. And that's not a bad thing because he's saying, if you'll lose your life, in me, you'll find it. If you'll let me live through you, if you'll let me live out through you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, then the, you'll experience such a freedom in life. That's why he said in John 8, 31, 32, he said, if you continue in my word, you may be my disciplined ones, my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How can I be free? Because I'm not selfish anymore. <laughs> I'm not all about me anymore. And when you're not all about you anymore, there's such a freedom, there's such a liberty that now, now you want to go and you, you want to go reach the lost. You want to, you want to hug somebody. You want to save somebody. You, you realize that you could be Zacchaeus, but my Bible tells me to love my enemies and to, to do good those, to those that despitefully use me. Why? Because when you love an enemy, lots of times your enemy will become your friend. I mean, you know, when you when you just let it all go, 
not struggling, not trying to be anybody, not trying to prove anything, just wanting to say, God, what is it that you'd have me to do today? Live your life through me. That's why, that's why Paul the Apostle said, I die every day. He realized that he had his own agendas sometimes. But I mean, you look at, him, you look at that man just at his truth, that he was like he was whipped and beaten. How many times? Five times was he whipped 39 times? One of those would kill a normal man, and he had it done five times. He was shipwrecked three or four times, stoned to death another time. And then he could stand up and say, these light afflictions are what, but for a moment are nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in me. And he just, he was able to go out, go out and love people in spite of what, how they treated him. It's amazing. Amazing. Anyway, praise the Lord. Um, I struggled a little bit through this this morning. It didn't go the way they wanted to, but I love you. And I'm praying that you get the message. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.